Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. A lot to get into on a Tuesday. Let's not waste any time. Let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Steve Carp. Steve, how are you? You look better than Jimmy Garoppolo and the Raiders, that's for sure. Uh, but probably not as good as the Golden Knights. Exactly. So kind of like two ends of the spectrum there. Uh, we didn't have yes. you on on Monday, but that's because we want to have you on to talk about the Monday night football game last yeah. night. The Raiders and the Lions. Um, listen, th- this wasn't a game maybe that we expected the Raiders to win, but now you're beginning to see, and you have seen for quite some time, the frustration on the sideline. Uh, and and you know, this is sort of when things begin to unravel. Steve, as you watch that game, uh, what just, I, I guess, talk about that game in particular, but kind of where the future of this team stands right now. One word comes to mind, Arash, dysfunction. Yeah. This is a dysfunctional football team and I don't think you could fix it today uh, today was the trade deadline maybe they're going to move Hunter Renfro big deal they they have more issues than solutions at, the, at this point so if you're asking me and I'm sure you're about to about Josh McDaniels like you can't fire 53 guys right <laughs> yeah. so you fire the coach what do you gain by firing the coach at this point? I mean, they did this, you know, when, when they let Gruden go and they had Rich Versace, they didn't win big. You know, they won a couple of games. Everyone liked playing for him. And so instead of making him the permanent head coach, they moved on from him. And now you've got McDaniels. Mark Davis is not paying three football coaches, okay? Yeah. So, he's still paying Gruden. He's paying McDaniels. If he moves on from Josh, he's paying a third guy. All right? That, that's, that's poor management. And so, when you look at everything, it starts with the owner. It does. Just like we give Bill Foley credit, for what he did in building the Golden Knights into a Stanley Cup champion. And we give Mark Davis credit for making the good hires with the Las Vegas Aces. We have to assign blame to the owner when it comes to the Raiders. It's just that simple. 
And you know, the, the problem, Steve, is that it's not just that they've struggled since they've been in Las Vegas. If, if you're a fan of the Raiders, uh, they've struggled for 20 years. I mean, like, since they lost that Super Bowl to, to Tampa Bay, I don't think they've won a playoff game. I mean, they've struggled for 20-plus years now. You're right. And and again, this goes back to what Al Davis still owned the team. Yeah. And was right things. Okay? So things have not gotten any better, really, under his son. Yeah, and Mark Davis is a nice guy. No, no one's saying he's a bad guy, and he should be forced to sell the team. Kind of like what happened with Jerry Richardson a few years ago in Carolina. No one's saying that. Yeah, but it it just seems he's not making good decisions when it comes to his football management people. All right, I mean, I'm looking at this Raiders roster. All right, Dave Ziggler's only been here a couple of years. But who is he bringing in that's really made a huge impact? Okay. Yeah. I mean, all right, Jacoby Myers is having a, a decent season because he seems like he's the primary target for whoever the quarterback is. It doesn't matter if it's Garoppolo, Hoyer, O'Connell. All right. But you got, you know, an all pro, one of the best in the league in Devontae Adams. And it just seems like he never gets touches or. They don't throw to him when he's open, or if he's open, he doesn't catch it. There's just so many issues with this offense, and it's it's just really painful to watch. It's kind of like the team they're playing on Sunday, the New York Giants. That's a hard team to watch right now, and it doesn't matter if Daniel Jones is the quarterback or Tyrod Taylor or um, DeVito. It doesn't matter. Something's wrong in New York. Something's wrong here in Vegas with the Raider offense. You touched on it. I mean, I, I agree with you. They're they're not going to move on from Josh McDaniels during the season. I, I don't think that makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. But if this continues and if they you know don't make the playoffs, I mean, I, I don't think you can be in a scenario where you bring him back. Certainly if he's lost the locker room, Steve, which it seems like it's veering in that direction. It may be there now. Uh, what are the right. chances of Josh McDaniels coming back following the season? All right. Now, that's a different situation, okay? And I think you're on the right track, Rush. If the guys in the room won't play hard for him, then you're forced to make a change. Yeah. You lose the room as a coach, you're finished. Yeah. And I think that's where, like you say, this is we're seeing signs of it. Yeah. You know, you see Devontae Adams just totally frustrated. He really, he didn't even want to address the situation after the game last night when he was directly asked about it. And, you know, just the way things are going, it, it just seems to me that come, was it, you know, the first weekend or the first Monday in January, whatever the season ends after they play Denver. I got to think that he'll be part of Black Monday. He will be removed as the head coach of the Raiders. Now, here's the question, though. Does Dave Ziegler go with him? Yeah. Right. Or does Mark Davis stay with him and allow him to make the decision on who coaches this team going forward? See, this, this is a big issue because... You asked Dave Ziegler to come in 
and and get this team going in the right direction. And obviously, the the Garoppolo experiment has failed miserably. Let let's be honest. Let's call it for what it is. I don't care if he's been hurt or whatever. He just doesn't look comfortable playing in this offense for this coach on this team with this group of guys. And he has he has weapons. I mean, the NFL's leading rushers in his backfield. An all a perennial all pro receiver is on the field. He's got other guys who can catch the ball. And yeah, it's easy to blame the offensive line for everything. But the reality is it's not as bad as people think it is. Okay. Yeah, they've had some guys miss blocks and you know, he was sacked a bunch of times again yesterday through another pick. But you can't blame it all on any one thing. So what do you do? Okay, I think it may be time to move on from Garoppolo, play Aiden O'Connell the rest of the way, hope he survives the season, and then if you don't think he's your guy going forward in 2024, you either look to trade for, you know, or sign a free agent or draft a quarterback. I don't know that, you know, Caleb Williams will be there, frankly, when the Raiders uh, – turn the pick comes up yeah and, and it also and you know this better than me you've seen him a lot in person i don't use the same quarterback at sc that he was a year ago i know well you i mean agree? and he's regressed probably which is i think the worst thing so that's a hundred percent a bad thing and so i think that's sort of the concern i mean he was viewed as as the um hands down uh no doubt about it number one pick in the draft and he may still be steve but uh he's regressed and uh, if they lose to Washington this upcoming uh, Saturday at the Coliseum, he may be checked out. And I think a lot of Trojan fans are concerned about that game up in Eugene where they could get blown out. Um, so, mm-hmm. but by the way, at what point do the Raiders feel uh, pressured? Uh, because here's what's happening, and you could, t- you could touch on this. They don't have the support of the local fan base. I mean, what they've done is they've really priced out the local fan uh, for a, lo- a lot of these games. It's $500 to get the cheapest ticket. Again, that, that was the case with the Steelers and the Packers. Probably going to be the case for the Giants and the Jets. And the other local professional teams in town have had extraordinary success, um, historical success, really. Um, at what point, again, they are making a boatload of money, more than they ever made in California. However, it's the opposing feds that are taking over. At what point do they feel that pressure of, like, we need to have a home field here? Well, I, I, I think I've said this before to you, and I'll, I'll repeat myself. If they start winning and they would look like a playoff contending football team, you wouldn't have the situation where the opposing team's fans take over Allegiant Stadium. Right here, here's an example. I'm at the Golden Knights last night. They're playing Montreal at T Mobile Arena. All right. Montreal's fans travel really well, they'll go all over the country, countries. The Canadians, both in Canada and here in the States. All right. There was a handful of people wearing those red, blue, and white jerseys of the Canadians. But they didn't take over T Mobile Arena. Yeah. All right. See, that's the difference. All right. And as long as the Knights are winning, their fans are showing up. 
The Raiders don't have that luxury right now. You know, we've talked about the price of going to a Raiders game. It's the highest in the, in the NFL, whether it's the park, to get in the building, to eat, whatever. It's, it's a very exorbitant ticket. And if I'm a Raiders season ticket holder and someone's willing to give me $400 or whatever for my seats for the game against the Giants or the Jets, I'm selling. Yeah. Why would I need this aggravation and get Ajna watching this offense right now? Yeah. And frankly, you know, it's funny. Last night, Jared Goff didn't look great, right? He looked, yeah. And the Lions still dominated. Yeah. It was just such a sad performance on both sides of the ball. And yes, the Raiders had a, an interception for a pick six. Yes, they recovered a couple fumbles. Yes, Max Crosby continues to play at a very high level, but he has no help. Where's the help coming from? You, you can't have one guy because you know just about every NFL team can figure out a way to neutralize one guy. No. They can double team him. They can triple team him if need be. So you're a Raider fan. You're not seeing a whole hell of a lot of hope. And and that's really the big problem at the moment with the franchise. Steve, let's switch gears to the uh, more more positive or the more successful team in Las Vegas. Again, the, the WNBA champions, the Las Vegas Saces, responded by winning a championship by having a historical season. So far, the Vegas Golden Knights have done the same. Through 10, they have not lost. Mm -hmm. They are 9-0-1 what have you seen about this team this season uh, that really made them the best team in the league once again? Well, there, there's several factors at work here. First of all, there was no overturning of the roster other than Riley Smith being moved on to the Penguins. And that was to keep Ivan Barbashev, which Kelly McCrimmon did the right thing because he's younger, he's better. Two, they have a culture of winning in that room, you talk about the Raiders having a dysfunctional locker room. The Golden Knights are the exact opposite. There's harmony. Everyone gets along. There's really good leadership, starting with the captain, Mark Stone, running through the assistant captains like Eichel and Petrangelo. And then they also have a coach who runs a good system, and they all buy into it. So they're not playing great hockey at the moment, but they're playing well enough to be in every game with a chance to win. And that was the case last night. They, they struggled for good portions. You know, they had one shot on goal late in the second period before they scored to tie it. Mm -hmm. I mean, good teams find ways, right? We saw that with the Aces, even when they were short two starters in the finals against the other top team in the WNBA. The Golden Knights are finding ways to win. Now, yes, the schedule's worked in their favor. They haven't had to play a lot of great teams. The Kings, I think, are good. Dallas Stars are definitely good. Montreal's on the rise. And the rest of the teams they played, San Jose, Seattle, Ducks, you know, teams. those are teams they should beat, frankly, yeah. in the division. And uh, so when you look at everything, 
it's it's a conglomeration of, of things that are working and and they're holding they're holding serve on the road which is really impressive because the nhl is hard to win on the road but the the knights have found uh, a way to uh, win games away from t-mobile uh, Steve, UNLV football maybe suffers like their first uh, setback in terms of losing a game that they could have won. And again, it's not easy to go to Fresno State and win. Tough loss. It seemed, though, in the sideline, Barry Odom, the way he talked to the players, uh, you, you can really sense how close this group is and what they're beginning to, to build. Uh, talk about that loss and, and but just really this season that they've had so far. You know, I watched a good portion of the game, and Jaden Maeva, you know, made some bad decisions, led to a couple of interceptions. Uh, the the turnovers in the third quarter were really what were costing the Rebels ultimately in the end. Yeah, you know, but he dropped the pass that you know would have uh, got him uh, even and stuff late in the game and and what have you. But, yeah, this is a, a team that believes in the coach and the staff. They, they really coach these kids up well every day. There's a no-excuse policy. Everyone owns what they're supposed to do, starting with Barry Odom, and that's refreshing. You know, the previous coach did not have that kind of mentality. And so, all right, they go to Fresno they wind up losing a game they could have won. They're still very much in the hunt to win the championship. They go to New Mexico, I believe, this Saturday, a game they should win. And then they've got Wyoming, I believe, then Air Force, and I think San Jose to wrap it up. So Air Force will be a tough game, especially up in, in Colorado Springs. Yeah. But overall... These guys are performing pretty well and certainly above what everyone thought they would. They're going to a bowl. Yeah. Maybe come to L.A. to play in that Jimmy Kimmel L.A. bowl. It got renamed, by the way, Steve. It's now the uh, Gronkowski. Like, I guess Rob Gronkowski is now. But either way, it's a fun bowl, and so you'll have to come out to that if that happens. I, I will. I, I, <laughs> if, uh, if that happens, for sure. But, yeah, I mean – I, I think it's, you know, it's not a, a setback they can't overcome. Yeah. All right? They're still doing a lot of good things. They're making plays on defense. Their kicking game and, and special teams are still one of the best in the Mountain West. I'm I'm very impressed by what I'm seeing from UNLV. I've been impressed from day one, and I continue to be impressed. Let me loop in your fellow uh, Giants fan, Jihei Wiley. Jihei? Uh, yeah, no, Carp, I actually just wanted to know, um, just as far as coaching is concerned and as far as um, going back to the Golden Knights and how dominant they are, it's insane right now. I mean, I know we're only nine games in, but they're just ridiculously dominant. Um, what do you think will happen once they start actually playing? I don't want to say they're not playing competition. It's hard regardless, right, to play yeah. um, in, in a professional league. What um what happens when they do play teams like that are so dominant like Colorado or at cur currently in the moment of time like the Kings? Um, what what do you think uh, possibly gets um, them over that hump and um, when they play actual quote unquote actual competition? Well, let's remember one one thing about the Knights. They've been dealing with injuries from 
the preseason. Okay, they've had guys out every game this year. Starts now. Nick Waugh is not playing. He's their fourth line center, and he's really good. He's also a an important part of their penalty kill. All right, so he's out with an upper body injury. We don't know when he's coming back. So they do have enough depth. To me, the key remains twofold. One, can the goaltending continue to play at a high level? Two, can they get balanced scoring from their bottom six along with their top line of Eichel, Marchessault, and Barbashev? We'll find that out Saturday, by the way, when the Avalanche one of the teams that are favored to win the Stanley Cup this year come to T-Mobile Saturday night. So that's going to be big. Uh, that'll feel like a playoff game. And they yeah. play Winnipeg on Thursday. So two good teams coming in and a good chance to see just how good this Vegas team is. They've been really good so far. And if they can come out with wins over the Jets and the Abs. This week, I think that will put everyone's minds at ease, and they have to go on the road. Yeah. But that, you Perfect. know, look, they they got they've got the the, the guys nope. to do it. They do. Carpy, you're the best. We'll have you back on next week. It's all. Uh, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by the Sporting Tribune's Lauren Jones. When we come back right here on the Mighty or 1090s from the California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here... Everyone is invited to get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Still clown with the underground when we come around. Welcome back to the Rush Marconzi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. Right, let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune. Lojo Media herself, Lauren Jones. Lauren, how are you? I'm great, Arash. How are you? I am good. A lot to get into today. I was I would normally start with the Lakers, but you have the tweet of the night as someone who is from Los Angeles following the James Harden uh, trade, and it didn't occur to me until you tweeted it. I think a lot of people picked it up. I mean, this may be the greatest collection of Southern California talent that's been put together on one team when you uh, look at where, you know, Kawhi, uh, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Norman Powell, where they're all from. Uh, I guess first your thoughts on the trade that happened late night um, and really all these amazing, probably the, some of the greatest players in Southern California history coming together on one team. Yes. You know, Ross, I think it's, it's really, sorry, I think there was a delay there, but it, it is kind of unprecedented and unheard of 
to uh, see, you know, this is not only, you know, some of the best talent from Southern California, but also, you know, these guys are in former MVPs, uh, they're champions. And so to have them all on one team and in Los Angeles and not for the Lakers, uh, you know, for the Clippers is, is a huge deal. You know, um, I've seen a lot of these guys play in the offseason together at the UCLA runs or, you know, at the Drew League and, and some of these uh, pro amateur leagues in the summer. But to see them actually on an NBA team uh, on one roster is, is really incredible. Uh, and, and, you know, I think for it to come at the time that it did, right after the Lakers uh, uh, post-game press conference, we're all heading into the media room and then, you hear James Harden to the Clippers. I mean, it's just one of those those moments that you, that you won't forget. And, you know, we'll see how it plays out in terms of them actually being able to put this team together and to buy for a championship. But, you know, I think on paper, obviously, we didn't know if it was going to happen. There were rumors for the last few weeks, and James Harden did express that he wanted out of uh, Philadelphia, that he wanted to be uh, on the Los Angeles Clippers, but for it to come to fruition in this way is really interesting, and it's going to shake things up uh, in the NBA as things have just continued to be shaken up uh, from you know the uh, beginning of the summer to, uh, up until now. What was the feeling? Yeah, you know, because uh, you know the the uh, trade comes down following the game you covered last night, the Lakers beating the Orlando Magic. Uh, where were you when you found out about the trade? And uh, yeah, what was sort of the response? I guess. Yeah, so I we had just uh, wrapped the post-game availability. Uh, LeBron and AD had just spoken uh, to the media, and we were all heading back into the media room uh, to finish up our stories. And uh, one of the Lakers personnel on the uh, PR team mentioned that James Harden uh, was – the deal had been done and that Woj dropped one of those Woj bombs uh, <laughs> at 11 p.m., uh, you know, on a specific time. And, and so all of the media were just kind of chattering who is a part of this deal because it, it wasn't necessarily um, disclosed at first uh, who was going to be traded for James Harden or included in that package. Um, there was just so much uh, excitement around it, especially uh, considering that the Lakers are going to be playing the Clippers on Wednesday. So uh, there, there was a sentiment of just, uh, sheer basketball joy, I think, from a lot of the fellow media members that, you know, this is a blockbuster trade in many ways. Uh, while James Harden may not be in his prime, he's still one of the premier players in this league and one of the biggest stars, you know, talked about in this league. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of interesting conversations happening uh, internally from the Lakers media, or beat writers, as well as just kind of the Staples Center's as I was leaving the arena. It kind of shook things out. I love it. Uh, all right, so let's switch gears to the team that you do such a great job of covering, the Los Angeles Lakers. They are 2-2 two and two to begin the season. I, that's where I kind of had them at when you look at who they played to begin the season, you know, going on the road to, to, play, to play the defending champion, the Denver Nuggets, then the Phoenix Suns, who are one of the other uh, kind of co-favorites in the West. Um, so listen, I mean, them, them starting the season two and two and then, you know, going on the road to play, uh, the Sacramento Kings. Um, your thoughts again, two, two and two, you know, not the best start, but it kind of where I kind of had them at your thoughts on this team so, so far. Yeah, Siraj, I think, uh, one of the things that you can say is that they improved from their start last season. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> 
subscribe. And so, so a win is a win, and whether it's a pretty win or you know a win in which they've done uh, kind of these first two games at home, uh, you know they're they're in the win column early, and so I think that that's encouraging for them. And, and a lot of these games, though they might not uh, for Lakers fans or you know the NBA world seem like big wins, I think them being able to come together in the stretch, um, you know, in the fourth quarter and pull off these wins. Uh, has been encouraging and, and really brought the team uh, closer together. Uh, if they were 0-4 to start the season, there would be a lot more concern. I think, uh, you know, Darvin Ham's job would be questionable for a lot of people. And so uh, for them to be 2-2, two and two, the, the overtime loss to Sacramento on Sunday uh, was it was a really interesting loss, I think, because they, they could have pulled off that game. Obviously, De'Aaron Fox had an incredible game. He gets injured, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, and, and, and still they were able to pull off the overtime win. But I think uh, them having a back-to-back, going back to Crypto.com Arena and actually pulling out a win against the Orlando Magic, who were shooting really well, playing really well uh, against the Lakers and starting out the season respectfully uh, really well as well. Uh, you know, I think that it was a big notch for the Lakers, especially leading into a game where obviously it's their uh, tunnel rivals yeah. and, and also uh, LA rivals in the Los Angeles Clippers. It's, it's going to be uh, one of those, I think, um, soul wins that, you know, you can see the team kind of coming together. D'Angelo Russell had a huge game for the Lakers, uh, 28 points, his best game to date this season. He's kind of struggled early uh, to get his rhythm. You also saw Anthony Davis put together another really great performance, you know, uh, near 30 and 28 game. And so those two, I think, you know, you start to see Gabe Vincent make his first three of the season uh, and, and so there, there were a lot of encouraging takeaways from the the Lakers' win last night, and especially on a back to back. I think it, it bodes well for them moving forward. Uh, how does the James Harden trade kind of uh, change things in Los Angeles? Because I, I think it, it takes me back to uh, you know 2019, 2020, when like late night we found out about the Kawhi uh, James Harden trade on July fourth after. The Anthony Davis deal. And now, once again, for the first time since, you know, that 2019 2020 season, the Lakers and the Clippers are kind of in that conversation. You know, I mean, and again, amazingly, they have never played in the postseason. So it'd be fun if they did it in their last year sharing Crypto.com Arena, formerly Staples Center. But, um, you know, again, Denver's in the mix, obviously, Phoenix, the, the Warriors, although we'll, we'll, we'll see how their season goes. But once again, the Clippers and the Lakers now, two of the top five teams in the Western Conference. Um, how does the Harden trade change things? Because if, if Harden does suit up, and I don't think he'll play tonight, but I mean, if his first game with the, with the Clippers is that game, I mean, it's going to be incredible. Yeah, you know, Arash, that is going to be the hottest ticket yeah. in Los Angeles on a Wednesday, November 1st. We're kicking off the month with yeah. you know, a blockbuster. And, you know, hopefully I'll get credentials for that game. I don't know if I get it done at this point. No, I'm kidding. But, but I think that James Harden, if he does suit up, um, you know, obviously he's had a lot of um, drama following him since the start of this season. 
Um, but now that, you know, he's gotten the trade, he's in going to be in Los Angeles. We'll, we'll see. I think uh, there were rumors about Kawhi potentially sitting out uh, for that Lakers game. And so uh, I'm not sure if there's going to be the full uh, roster and, and, you know, when we'll get to see that entire team, you know, um, healthy and, and able to uh, put it all together on the court. But when that does happen, it is going to be really interesting to watch the dynamics between Russell Westbrook and James. Uh, obviously, they these guys have all played against each other since they were in high school, uh, maybe even middle school, AAU, yeah. who knows. But, um, you know, definitely in high school. And so uh, to hear some of the stories and, and how it all comes together on an NBA team is going to be really, really interesting. Yeah, it's just, uh, it, it, it's fun when Los Angeles, once again, is the center of the basketball world. And I've heard a lot of people say, you know, how is James Harden going to fit on this team with Kawhi, Paul George, Russell Westbrook? Uh, folks have to remember, and this is sort of an unfortunate fact, uh, the Clippers have not had Kawhi and Paul George, or Kawhi and or Paul George, during the postseason. Again, they had both players during the pandemic, but 2021, if you remember, when the Clippers got to the Western Conference Finals, they did not have Kawhi. The following season, they didn't have Kawhi, and then going into that playing game, did not have Paul George. And last season, did not have Paul George, and then they lose Kawhi. So I mean, they've never really had both guys healthy. At least now, you have, if both of those guys get hurt, or one of those guys get hurt, you have James Harden, who can create shots on his own. You have Russell Westbrook. So, um, yes, we'll see how... All of them play together when they're all healthy. But the fact of the matter is, uh, the Clippers, I think, partially made this trade because they're not all healthy and they want to have right. guys who can create. Um, switching gears. Now, uh, yeah. Right, just quickly, Arash, yeah. one last thing on that. I think it's also going to be interesting, uh, you know, to kind of see. Uh, you talked about the health of this team, but also, you know, it's, these are all, this is a lot of big personalities in the yeah. road. And mm-hmm. what we're not talking about is kind of the chemistry of the the chemistry of this team. We're, we're, we've lo- oh, sorry, we lost you for a second. I'm there, curious Laura. to know yeah. what you think about how these. Yeah, yes, yeah. I was asking about the chemistry no, of the team. Yeah, the, I mean, you know, here's the thing. I think it's unique in the sense that that Russell Westbrook and James Harden do like each other. Again, they were friends with the, the OKC Thunder. They were teammates in Houston. They've always been friendly. Paul George, I, I remember going back to Salt Lake City prior to the trade deadline. I mean, Paul George was really banging the drum for Russell Westbrook. And I, I think Kawhi is Kawhi. I think Kawhi is a chameleon. I, th- I think Kawhi, as long as you can help him win, um, it is happy to have you. But when I look at, um, you know, Kawhi, uh, that's not a problem in terms of his personality. But Russell gets along with Paul George. Russell gets along with James Harden. Um, again, you're right, Lauren, a lot of personalities on this team, but I do think that they all blend and gel together. We'll see how it all plays out, but, um, you know, I mean, the big question is, how are they all going to play together when they're healthy? Because at the end of the day, the Clippers, if they're going to win a championship, have to be 100% healthy. They have to have Kawhi, uh, they they have to have Paul George. So we'll see how all that um, plays out switching gears, uh, Lauren, the Rams, 
Listen, I think it was a feel-good story at the beginning of the season. We began the season with not a whole lot of expectations. It was kind of came out of nowhere. Without Cooper Cup, you had Puka Nakua, uh, you know, doing incredible things to Atwell having an amazing start. Uh, I, I do think that they dodged a bullet. I do think Matthew Stafford may be out for this upcoming game against Green Bay, but uh, won't be out for too long. Uh, but that was certainly their worst performance of the season against the, the Cowboys your thoughts, Lauren, on the Los Angeles Rams now going into a very crit- critical uh, period now where they go to Green Bay and then they have a bye week. Yes. Yeah, so, Arash, I think the, the bye week couldn't have come at a better time for them, especially yeah. considering uh, when they traveled to Lambeau. Obviously, uh, the Green Bay Packers are not the Aaron Rodgers prime Green Bay Packers, and so... Um, hopefully they're able to rebound with a win. I think that will just be a moral win for them um, <laughs> to get back in the in the right mindset. But um, they're you know Matthew Stafford, you know the thumb injury. Uh, <clears throat> there were so many things that happened during that game beyond just the them getting you know kind of annihilated by the the Cowboys at Jerry's World. You know um, we we saw just. The, the defense kind of getting exposed in, in many ways. Um, you know, the offense did not have a great game. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And then even before Matthew Stafford exited with that injury, uh, you know, he got picked off. And so, so there were just a lot of things that I think <clears throat> were learning lessons for this young team, but also I think uh, were kind of just demoralizing in some ways in terms of just, being able to move forward from this. And so we'll see how they rebound against Green Bay this weekend. And then also, you know, the bye week, as I mentioned earlier, I think couldn't have come at a better time for them to get, you know, a rest and reset for the, you know, rest of the season. But um, <clears throat> Sean McVay looked very frustrated on the sidelines. It was, it was visible, obviously, when your team is down, uh, gives up 22 points in the second quarter. Um, it, it, it can never be a good thing. And then also they have a quarterback situation where they're going to have to figure out um, they did sign another quarterback off of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, you know, there's a lot of questions surrounding this team. And um, there's a lot of things that they're going to have to answer to be able to rebound and not have the season that I think everybody predicted them to have, yeah. but to continue on in the way that they did to start the season and have that season instead. The uh, Rams signing a uh, former quarterback in G.A. Wiley's favor, John Wolford, but uh, I, I don't think that's going to um, uh, improve their chances. Um, all right, let's uh, finish out with this. Colin Kaepernick is, is still available. By the way, seriously, yeah. like the last game he had was at the Coliseum, played extremely well. I mean, how amazing would that be? I'd get that jersey. You know, by the way, I mean, like, he still looks great. Lord, I've seen him out and about in Las Vegas. I think he's preparing for that moment when he gets a chance, but we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, okay. Caleb Williams. And I'm very interested to get your thoughts here. Last three games of the season here. And amazingly, as frustrating as this team has been for us to watch, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, easier said than done, but they, they really control their own destiny 
it's it's not going to be easy, obviously. So they have Washington at home at, at the Coliseum. They're a top five team. The game that I'm very fearful of that could go like totally out of control. They go to Eugene to play the Ducks, and then they finish off their uh, regular season at home against UCLA. They've given me no confidence, uh, Lauren. Certainly, when you give up almost fifty points to Cal, that defensively that they can do this. But your thoughts on USC as they go into a very critical game this Saturday at the Coliseum against Washington? Uh, unfortunately, Arash, I think it's homecoming next weekend. <laughs> That's uh, right. <laughs> um, I, I think it's time to shut Caleb Williams down and ha- have him prepare for the draft. There's no injuries <laughs> that need to be. But uh, no, I think we saw the last win of the the USC season. Unfortunately, oh, no. um, <clears throat> I would be you know pleasantly surprised if they're able to pull one off against Washington. But that team is tough. Going to Eugene and playing against the Oregon Ducks is kind of reminiscent of that Notre Dame game. I know. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's going to be yeah, that's going to be a tough environment to play in. And then finishing off with UCLA, who uh, while they might not be the the best team in the Pac-12, uh, they do still they they had a great game against Colorado. I think that they've had some some great moral victories of their own, and um, their defense looks pretty good. I remember seeing Sua Cravens after uh, the USC loss on uh, the local team, and, and the former Trojan was just hanging his head low uh, of these, uh, you know, USC Trojans, his, his USC Trojans. And I think that that's the sentiment across the board is that we've seen the best of what the Trojans can do, and even with Caleb Williams, it's not going to be enough because they cannot score, they can't outscore everybody. Yeah. You know, um, and, and the defense is is what the defense is as we we've seen. You know, it's it's been kind of noted and noted again. Um, I'm not going to belabor the point, but you know, Lincoln Riley not uh, being with the team at Cal. There's just so many storylines that are I think behind the scenes that we haven't really noticed, but um, uh, or necessarily paid attention to really up front, but. Uh, there's a lot of things that these Trojans are going to have to figure out. It's going to it's going to be a tough uh, few games that they have in, in terms of the stretch and in, in finalizing that you know regular season schedule. Lauren, last sixty seconds. Uh, I mean, has this season changed how you feel about Caleb Williams? Again, he he was thought of as the slam dunk number one first overall pick in the draft. His struggles or the team struggles has that changed your view with him? Uh, I can just say, Arash, no, it has not changed my view of Caleb Williams. I think he is as advertised. You need to have a strong offensive line. You have to have, uh, you know, uh, healthy receivers. You have to have, you know, an offensive team and, and a defense to be able to help you, uh, help me help you win. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Um, so his, his, he is the Heisman reigning Heisman trophy winner for a reason. And I don't think that there should be any questions about his game. Uh, it really comes down to the rest of the team. So that's, that's it. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's been frustrating to watch because you know the talent's there, and uh, he just has not gotten the help. And again, there is a connection between the offense and the defense. When the defense gives up 50 points or 40-some-odd points, it does hurt the, the um, offense. You just it, it just puts a lot of pressure on them. So we'll, we'll see what they do uh, this upcoming Saturday against Washington. Uh, Lauren, can't wait to uh, follow up your amazing coverage of the Lakers. It'll be a fun uh, week for them again Wednesday night. Lakers and Clippers. Uh, you're the best, Lauren. We'll have you back on uh, next week. That's all the time we have for today. Until tomorrow, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. West side. West side.
This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.